This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, folks, welcome to the free Savage Nation podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you, but for those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad-free podcast. We're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad-free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only $3.99 a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. And if you want to join, simply go to michaelsavage.com and click on the exclusive club link. It's that easy. I appreciate it very much. I hope you join the Savage Exclusive Club. I want to thank you very much for supporting the Savage Nation podcast, either the free version or the paid version, your patronage. It's appreciated. It's that simple. Thank you so much for listening. Well, welcome to the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage staff is taking a much-needed summer break today. So we went into our library, and we found a very special piece just for you. This is the Savage Nation 25th radio anniversary show. In this show, Dr. Savage, I guess that's myself, I'm celebrating my 25th anniversary of being on the air, and I'm sharing some exclusive stories and taking a special look back at my career, including what influenced me. For example, cleaning bronzes like a Dickensian child in the basement of my father's antique store. Hard to believe that could go on with toxic cyanide solution. My first overnight radio experience, what a night that was. And finally, a speech aboard a private yacht in the Hudson River entitled Savage Comes Full Circle. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. The 2016 National Radio Hall of Fame welcomes Michael Savage. Listen up today because today is going to be a masterpiece of outrage. Michael Savage. And now, direct from the towers above Manhattan, it's the Michael Savage Show. To the right of Rush and to the left of God, and now, Michael Savage. I'm glad I can be with you seven nights a week because these things, these stories are just not going away. I mean, every day in every way we're getting assaulted. Communicating a simple message. Orders, language, and culture. 
He changed the landscape of talk radio, rising to the top of the pack. What about our nation? You're going to let them become citizens even though they're illegal, even though they broke the law? You know that many of them are on our welfare system. You know many more will go on. And you're going to tell me you're worried more about El Salvador and about the San Salvador than you are about America? I said, by definition, you ought to be deported. This was not cookie-cutter radio. This was something different. From Catcher in the Rye to Ketchup on the Fly in two generations. Starlets to harlots, preachers to breachers, athletes to sexletes, rabbis to sandflies, boy scouts to toy scouts, girl scouts to twirl scouts, from the eagle to the beagle in two generations. From LSD to ADD. So influential, even the liberal media named him the godfather of Trumpomania. Donald Trump used the savage nation as a sounding board. What would you do if you were president? First day, what would you do with Putin to stop this these war drums? If I win on November 8th, I think I could see myself meeting with Putin and meeting with Russia prior to the start of the administration. I think it would be wow. Wild. That's an amazing that's an amazing news story. That's fabulous, Mr. Trump. That's an amazing answer. Because somebody, an adult, has to step in now and stop this uh, this insanity. Resulting in the election of a president of the United States, Michael Savage. Member of the National Radio Hall of Fame. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. The Westwood One Podcast Network presents The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to today's podcast on the Savage Nation. We'll call this podcast the Michael Savage 25th Anniversary Podcast. How's that for creativity? Not Michael Savage's 25th Anniversary Podcast. So let me begin by saying thank you all for being with me some for days, some for weeks, some for months. Some of you going all the way back to my first shows at night on KSFO in San Francisco. And now, of course, the rest is history, as they say. I happen to be in Los Angeles today. I've been here for the weekend. And yesterday, I um, I had a breakfast with one of the rare actors who's extremely well-known. He's an icon who's very politically sane. Let's put it to you that way. I don't even want to categorize him. He's politically sound. We had breakfast in a small coffee shop, and he asked me questions that I thought would have made a great podcast. And some of the questions I think I'm going to ask of myself or repeat them and try to answer them for you the way I did. He said to me, Michael, he said, you're the most talented man in radio. You're a star. Now, this is from one of the most famous movie stars. I was I was <laughs> taken aback by that. Who doesn't want to hear they're good? But he said, you are. He said, we know the difference. People in Hollywood know the difference. They know talent. And he said to me, who influenced you? As the uh, eggs arrived on his side and the oatmeal arrived on my side of the table. Who influenced you? I had to think. 
I said, well, it was Gene Autry and Roy Rogers. He got a kick out of that one. I said, in fact, I was a little kid in the tenement in the Bronx. I used to wear a cowboy hat, cowboy suit, and I had two cap guns. And when any, anyone knocked on the door or rang the bell to come into the apartment, I shot them dead with my cap guns, and the smoke rose in the hallway. He kind of liked that. But that's true. That is how I started. He said, okay, well, who influenced you next? Well, I had to think, who influenced me next? Well, there were writers, and I don't know in what order, but there were writers for sure. I read magazines such as Boy's Life, if you can believe it. Could you imagine Boy's Life, guys? In this day and age, Boy's Life. Ooh, you don't want to be a boy and learn how to be a man written by men, do you? No, no, no. Well, I read Boy's Life and learned how to be a man. And I, I recall various things that I think would be interesting to you guys listening, you guys and gals of the Savage Nation, savages and savagettes on this very special day. I don't remember the order in which I read them, but I know Ernest Hemingway was a great model for me. He was so adventurous, living in tents with beautiful women on safari in Africa, being trampled by elephants and lions. <laughs> that kind of sounded romantic. It really isn't, especially the being trampled part getting malaria, uh, being rejected by the woman in the tent and just being an old fat drunk who nobody wants. But I didn't know that part of it. I only knew that it sounded romantic being in a tent in Africa with a beautiful woman played by a beautiful actress. But Hemingway interested me as a writer, primarily as a writer. And I read everything he ever wrote. And I've jumped from being a little boy with cap guns to reading Hemingway. But there, there, there are steps along the way, and I don't recall them. Henry Miller. Who does not know Henry Miller? Probably no one listening to this podcast. Very few of you know Henry Miller, but he was once an icon in the literary world. He influenced me greatly with many of his novels. Jack Kerouac, super important. People don't believe it, but his book On the Road, I said at the breakfast table to the famous actor, On the Road, Jack Kerouac set me, Michael Savage, on the road, got me out of Queens, New York. And set me on my life's journey. I mean, that phase of my life's journey. And it led me to collecting medicinal plants in the most remote islands on earth in the the South Pacific. And I would say that book, On the Road, had a lot to do with it. Otherwise, I probably would have stayed behind and played the accordion and been a dentist in Queens. I might have been happier. uh, Teeth might have been happier. But my life would have been over a long time ago. Nothing wrong with being a dentist or playing the accordion, mind you. But uh, it was the book On the Road that got me on the road. What other books influenced me? Biographies, Tolstoy's. When I said Tolstoy, he noted that and he said, Gandhi said he was influenced by Tolstoy. I said, I understand why. Another great biography. I remember the biography of Tolstoy influenced me. So many others. I was a big biography reader because I was trying to form my personality as a man by reading about great men. And I wanted to model myself on great men. Now, of course, you can't copy other men's lives or other men's greatness. That's a key point. You can't copy their life. But as a young man trying to form, formulate and form his own personality and who he is as a man, I mean, you can learn. You need role models, right? Then there were the great soldiers. General MacArthur was a hero of mine. And I told the story of uh, being a little boy when after the Korean armistice, General Douglas MacArthur was given a huge parade on Queens Boulevard And I asked my father to take me to see him from an overpass because MacArthur was a great American hero. This is a great story for many reasons. Well, anyway, he was a great hero of mine. He was a challenge to the Democrat Party at the time, and that's why they destroyed him. 
That's why Harry Truman destroyed MacArthur, because uh, MacArthur was so loved by the American people that the uh, incumbent Democrat president, does it sound familiar, did everything he could to shame him and destroy him to prevent him from running for the presidency. That's a little side note that might ring a little bit true with you listening today on the Savage Podcast of what goes on in politics. Politics within the world of politicians attracts the lowest of humanity, which of course is why I pushed so hard to elect Donald Trump, because he was not a politician. And look what they did to him. Look what they did to him and look what they did to the American people. I mean, that's not a show topic for today. The man is absolutely innocent, as we all know. It was a setup, the whole collusion thing. And still these vermin, the lowest human beings on earth, Nadler and Schiff, by the way, themselves should be arrested for sedition. If Trump wanted to arrest them for sedition, I would bring as big a crowd as I could in the streets to support him. Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So MacArthur was an influence of mine. There were explorers like uh, and biologists uh, like Darwin, I told him, who influenced me. And then when I got through telling him who influenced me, he said, what about your father? Now, that was interesting that I didn't put my father there right up front because most boys look up to their father, and I did. Don't get me wrong. When I was a little boy, I did. But of course, as you get older, you start to clash with your father in some cases, as I did. And we clashed pretty heavy, pretty heavily. But he told me his father was his influence. And he said his father was a great influence in his life and a kind man who never lost his temper and never lost his uh, sense of humor. I said, boy, you're a lucky man. He's the same way, this man, this actor. He's just unflappable. Nothing seems to get under his skin. At least he doesn't show it. And yet when he's on screen, he can really, you know, move the audience. Anyway, so getting back to influences of parents and such. I then told him the story of uh, working in the basement of my father's store, and I won't bore you with it. You may have read about it. You'll be reading about it in A Savage Life coming out this June. And um, I cleaned bronzes in the basement of my father's store. What is a bronze? It's a statue made of bronze, usually late uh, 1890s, 1880s era from France, and they have a beautiful brown patina on them as age accumulates, as age works on the bronze, it goes from a bronze color to a brown, a beautiful brown patina. But the nouveau riche who were buying those bronzes wanted them to be shiny like brass. So, enter Michael Savage, the kid in the basement on the Lower East Side, uh, Ludlow Street. The building is now a nightclub, by the way. And I worked in that basement cleaning bronzes with cyanide solution. That's right, you heard me, cyanide solution. Now, I wouldn't bore you with the details, but I have to, because it leads to Abraham and Isaac in the Bible. Okay, so I'm in the basement, and I'm working with cyanide solution. I don't know what it was. I knew it was costing, and it made my skin turn red. I mean, my father was nice enough to give me gloves, 
and a brush. He didn't make me rub it on with my fingers. He didn't give me an aspirator. Are you kidding? Aspirator? Are you kidding? All right, so I'm cleaning the bronzes, working down there for hours on the weekend. Speed forward a few years. This was child labor, by the way. I was cheap. I worked for cheap. Years go on. I'm in high school. I'm taking high school chemistry. And somehow I tell my teacher I work with Sonny in my father's basement. The teacher puts that. He says, what? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, do you know that they kill people at San Quentin and Sing Sing with cyanide? I said, what? So I said, I'm not dead. I said, how is that possible? So I go to my father the next day. I said, Dad, do you realize that you give me stuff to work with here? That they kill people at, at San Quentin and uh, Sing Sing? He said, oh, yeah, my father says to me. But he said, I think that's the sodium form of the salt, not the potassium form. He said, the sodium form causes gases that are released that will kill you. But the one I give you doesn't. I said, gee, thank you for that. That was close. A few ions away from death. And I said, you know, to my guest, I said, that led me to, to think about the Abraham and Isaac story from the Bible, where God tells Abraham to kill Isaac. He takes the poor kid and puts a knife to his throat. And he's about to cut his throat when he hears God say, no, I just... Was kidding. I changed my mind. Don't kill your son. So now my guest, my, my friend said to me, that, that teaches us a lot. I said, yeah, but what effect has that had on Isaac through the eons? His father tried to kill him. The psychotic father, Abraham, tries to kill his son. And then he hears voices and says, don't kill him. What effect did it have on Isaac? He said, I never thought about that. I said, well, I did. And I said, you know, cleaning bronzes with sodium or potassium or the reverse is very much like putting a knife to the neck of the kid and then not killing him. So he got a kick out of that one. But, you know, the, the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac led us to many conversations at that point over eggs and coffee about the meaning of the Bible and the meaning of God, which I don't think I need to go into right now, but it led to a very deeply spirit, I would say theological conversation. And I'd like to pause at this point. Back in a minute. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. All right, Dr. Savage, it's your 25th radio anniversary. And on this uh, anniversary podcast, Michael Savage, this is your 25th anniversary. Let's take a look. Uh, all, that, all that glitters is not silver, but yes, it's my silver anniversary. <laughs> the show began in 1994. It's now 2019 for those of you who can do math. And it is 25 years, and this is my fourth career, not my first. Well, let's take a look back in time and see how you got here. Okay, your first moment in radio, your first demo tape. Tell us about your first demo tape and how you got your first job in radio. Hmm. My first demo tape. My first demo tape. It's a long time ago. What's that you say now, young man? My first, my first who? Oh, yeah, demo, demo. Yeah, I remember. I do remember that day quite well. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. All the years I had done book tours for the books I had written, I'd go on 10 city tours that the publishers used to do in those days. And inevitably, in every city when I did radio, and it was a big deal in those days to get on major radio stations. It was a big deal. 
the biggest announcers or radio hosts at the time would say, you have a great presence on the radio. You, you should consider a career in radio. I didn't know. That would be like saying, you know, become an astronaut. Well, I decided to consider a career in radio. So I bought a list of about 400 program directors from someone in the business. And I mailed out a demo tape, which I recorded down at Command Productions in Sausalito. I had my wife and a friend and another friend call in as though it was a radio show. And uh, you want to hear it? Let's listen. And now, direct from the towers above Manhattan, it's the Michael Savage Show. To the right of Rush and to the left of God, and now, Michael Savage. I'm glad I can be with you seven nights a week because these, thing, these stories are just not going away. I mean, every day in every way we're getting assaulted. Look at these questions before us today. Look at the questions before us. You know, they say that I'm to the right of Rush and to the left of God. I really don't think that that's funny. I really don't think that's funny at all. Do immigrants carry diseases? Are lawyers really humans? Is white bread safe to eat? How come women with mustaches, with peace and love and turtle-saving bumper stickers are the most likely to cut you off on the highway? Oh, by the way, a quick note. Nazis, skinheads, KKK, don't call me. Crawl back into your bunkers. You've given true conservatives a bad name because you permit the sick leftists to paint all conservatives with the fascist brush, okay? Don't call me. So we have a lot to talk about. You know, that's why I'm here every night for you. You know what the Hatch Act is? I bet you don't even know what that is. It's a House-passed bill that would allow employees to hold political office and work on campaigns. Would you imagine that? In other words, you could hold an office and work on a campaign. In other words, you could, instead of doing the job for the American people, you can do a job for the person you're working for. That's really terrific. Well, what would you do with the NAFTA agreement? Would you pass it? How come the conservatives are for NAFTA and the Democrats seem to be like for and against it? I mean, NAFTA was basically a Republican-initiated uh, concept. Now Clinton is for it. Barbara Boxer, the California senator, is against it. What exactly is NAFTA? Are we going to lose jobs to Mexico? I I'd like you to tell me what you think NAFTA is and how you're going to be affected. Is it only low-rate jobs, high-ranking high jobs, or what? First caller, you're on with Michael Savage. What's your question? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Well, I'll tell you, I'm enraged and incensed about the um, about lawyers. Lawyers? Uh, yeah. You're the fourth caller in a row to say something negative about a lawyer. I wonder why. It just seems to me that, um, that the, the way it stands in this country, I mean, I believe in democracy, and I grew up believing that You do? Have you seen a psychiatrist recently? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Way. Quick question. Yeah. Have you seen a lawyer recently? I mean, in person? Dealt with one? Well, the last time I was at a cocktail party, I asked him if he was AC or DC. AC or DC? Ambulance chaser or divorce chaser. I see. Very funny. I like that one. You know what all lawyers remind me of? They remind me of people who come out of a bathroom and they shake your hand while their own hand is still wet. That's what they remind me of. It and you don't know what's on their hand. You don't know whether they, like, didn't wipe or, uh, you know, they whatever. I don't know. I don't understand these They're people. filthy, that's why. Dirty. Well, let's cut this out. You know, this isn't fair. I did pick up a recent issue of the American Bar Association magazine. It was a special issue devoted to new graduates. Yes. And so help me God, this was a, a, a an ad. You could write away for this poster to put on your wall. Oh. I didn't know if it was serious or not. Here's what it said. For new law graduates, here's, here's exactly what the poster said. Remember, your adversary is your friend. 
because only your adversary can give you billable hours. Oh God, and your client is your enemy because only your client will try to stop you from gaining billable hours. That is where we are at. Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for calling, and uh, keep listening to Michael Savage. I By know, the way, what you're calling from San Rafael, Mexico, right? <laughs> I wish I was in San Rafael, Mexico. Well, you're reaching me here high atop the tower of the Empire State Building in New York City, and I really want you to keep those calls coming in because Michael Savage needs you. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. Okay, let's go over some great moments in Savage history. Okay, describe for us your debut on KSFO. Well, uh, my debut was really um, on KGO, the sister station, uh, which is uh, the liberal station, still is. And I was asked to do a fill-in for an overnight host who has since deceased. Super left-wing uh, more of an act, in my opinion, than reality, since he was definitely more of a centrist, I think, in real life. But he played the super left winger for his overnight audience. And uh, I did the show. What were I'll the hours the on, on the show at that point, if you don't mind me asking? What? What were the hours for that show? I don't know, midnight to 5 a.m.? Ooh. So I did the midnight to 5 I never forget the hatred I received. I'd never encountered it because remember, prior to this, I had been Mr. Nice Guy. The I was the herbal guy, the nutritionist that gave speeches on health and nutrition, and I was used to nice people. Well, I dared bring up affirmative action as racism. I had encountered more hatred than I had ever encountered in my whole life in that show from Oakland, California. Well, I remember driving home at dawn, looking in my rearview mirror, assuming I was being followed. I mean, I had a complete paranoid attack as a result of the hatred. But remember, I wasn't used to it. I got home, and when the family woke up, I announced at the breakfast table, oh, I did it. They said, how was it, Dad? I told them about the hatred from the liberals, and I said, I'm never going to do radio as long as I live. That's it. No, Never again. I can't take the hate. Well, the next morning at 9, when the staff came in, ring, 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 program director. Michael, you were great. We'd love to have you do it again. I said, never. I will never do it again. Okay, how about another show? I said, I'll do a day part fill-in on KG. I'll never do an overnight again. Well, that was the beginning, and I created a stir by being a conservative in a liberal pawn. And then they offered him my own show on KSFO, and that was the beginning of my radio career. Okay, now, as a successful radio host locally, tell us about launching your show nationally. Well, the truth is, is I knew immediately that I had a special talent, and I was better than most national hosts. I knew that. And I had asked... The um, corporation that owned KSFO, the syndication arm, to syndicate my show. And I remember over and over again, the man would come from New York and he wouldn't do it. I won't mention the main company. It's a big name. And he made a mistake. He's no longer in the business, but he made a huge error. He wouldn't syndicate my show. He should have. Years later, I was syndicated by a small-time operator, a solo practitioner, who uh, put my show on nationally. And because of my great talent, it, it went really big, real fast, and was soon on over 300 stations in the afternoon drive. That's basically it. Now, uh, as a successful radio host and national radio, house, uh, radio host, you quickly jumped up into one of the top tier of radio hosts, but you also considered uh, con continued your career as an author. Your first real uh, book as a, a major radio host was The Savage Nation. 
Tell us about how that came about and what inspired you to write that. Well, I don't want to dwell on it. That book became a number one on the New York Times, and it was really a, a conglomeration of radio shows in a book. And it, it's, uh, it was a big hit because there were no real conservative books out at the time. And the people clamored for it. They felt finally that they had a voice in plain English. And there have since been numerous bestsellers, most recently, Stop Mass Hysteria. Before that, we had God, Faith, and Reason. Before that, we had Trump's War. Uh, again, number one on the New York Times list. And this June, a um, book about my life, sort of a semi-autobiography, is going to be called A Savage Life. And that's full circle on the book. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Speaking of full circle, one of the great things that you've done was you you did a, a speech, which was Savage Comes Full Circle. And I'm just playing off of exactly what you were just talking about, where you talked about being an immigrant son. What was, uh, what was this event and what inspired it and... Can you talk about maybe who was there and why you decided to make this speech? Well, yes, it's a bit kind of embarrassing because I don't like to exhibit success. But, you know, we're living in an age where you have to hide your success. It's become a dirty word. Used to be that you celebrated success. Now, because of the communists, we have to hide our success. So I may as well say it. Uh, it, it was based upon the fact that my son, uh, Worked so hard his whole life, saved his money, and created a company which became very successful and still is. And he bought a big boat. And for my, he did it for me. He brought the boat up from the Caribbean to New York City, the land of my birth, the land of my grandfather's landing at Ellis Island. And he moored it in the Hudson River. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Actually, it was one of the greatest couple of days of my life. I was sitting on this huge boat. And I decided to throw a party, and I invited all the folks at Cumulus in management and sales and uh, my publisher and such. And we threw a cocktail party for, I don't know, 50, 100 people. I don't really remember. And I had a, had a couple of vodkas. And as I looked out the back of the boat off the rear deck, I saw a statue, the Statue of Liberty. And I reflected upon my grandfather, Sam, who I call the astronaut of the family, landing here from the deep dark land called Russia to escape the communist revolution. A hundred years ago, my grandfather arrived at Ellis Island in steerage. Many of you have a similar story. Maybe it was more, more than a hundred years ago for you. I'm, I'm a first generation American, so I have one foot in the old world and one foot in the new world. So when I talk about immigration, I sort of know what I'm talking about. So last night, we went to dinner in Shunley with my agent Ian. Come back, didn't say a word in the cab, getting out and paying the guy or whatever. He says, are you Michael Savage, who's a Haitian immigrant? You Michael Savage? I said, yes. Now, I didn't know whether he'd hate me or love me, right? Haitian, black guy. He said, I love you, man. He said, I'm like your grandfather. I'd rather have my arm cut off than take welfare. See, people don't understand how diverse diversity really is. They assume that it's fractured in this country, that blacks think one way, Hispanics think another way, whites think another way. But we have all these divisions within the segmentation of people. So this is the land of opportunity. Great-grandfather of my son, Russ, my grandfather, Sam, who I call the astronaut of my family. It was as though he went to the moon. Look where he came. Didn't speak a word of English. Came here seven years ahead of the family. 
blah, 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 earned money as a little tailor, sent it home, brought my grandmother, brought my father, and died at very young age, 47, heart attack, you know, that's how these, they worked so hard, whatever. Now, then my father died at 57. Never really made it big in the country. Had a little store, what, 12 blocks from here on Ludlow Street, an antique store, and I wrote about it uh, in train tracks. It was all in that book. So here I am, a hundred years later, his great-grandson, Russ Weiner, owns this yacht. And I'm not here to boast, I'm just here to say it's the American dream. We have lived the American dream through extreme hard work. People don't know, he works 24-7. My wife works 24-7, I shouldn't say it. Companies don't run themselves, as you know, whether it's Westwood One, Hachette, someone's running those companies. If salesmen aren't producing, they're fired, right? I heard silence go through the room. <laughs> I mean, if my son ran Westwood, one half of you wouldn't be here, for example. No. <laughs> I'll be the bad guy tonight. He just fired half his staff in New York today. But anyway, the point is, we're living the dream. But what my grandfather fled and his great-grandfather fled was communism, Bolshevism, revolution. What do we have in America today? We have $27 million apartments on Jane Street. I took a bicycle ride today. I saw a building, it was a former nursing home, the painter told me. Red brick building looked like a school. So I said, how much do these cost? Are they condos? He said, no man, they're for billionaires. How much are they? He said, $25 million for these two floors, and they're putting $5 million into it. I said, what? He said, yes, that's what they're putting into this building. This is what's going on. We have two societies, right? Three maybe? High, low, God knows where the middle class is gonna end up. But we have people who would like to stop that. We have people who would like to end it. We have people who like to take it away, turn the city back, turn the country back. And the answer is somewhere in the middle, isn't it? Isn't it somewhere in the middle where everyone can dip their beaks, as the Godfather said, everyone can feed a little bit in our country? But we don't want Bolshevism. We don't want communism, do we? But we have the same forces that operated in Russia are now operating in the West. And that's what we have to be cognizant of. And that's what my show is about. It's not the extreme element of screw the poor, let them eat cake, let them eat peanuts. The issue is don't take from those who have worked so hard, don't steal it from them. Because without them, there'd be nothing. We'd have one salami in a butcher store like they had in the Soviet Union. Remember what Russia was like when you were a kid? Many of you were over 50. Remember the images of the Soviet Union? People lining up around the block, one salami in the butcher store. Why? Why would the butcher invest in a piece of meat? Why would the farmer raise the cows if he couldn't sell it and make a profit? People don't even understand what the profit motive is. It's not all evil. It's become a dirty word, right? Hasn't capitalism become a dirty word? Is it a dirty word? The whole world runs on that. So what I'm saying is, thank God we have a capitalist system. It's not evil. It's good. And I'm glad we're here. I'm not going to get to the gecko thing of greed is good. I'm not going there. <laughs> I didn't go there. All I said was capitalism is good, investment is good, business is good, sales are good. Sales are very good. <laughs> Ratings are even better. And I want to thank you all for taking time out on a sweaty August day. It was a last minute thing. My son's boat was in Fort Lauderdale, and I conclude with this. And we we're supposed to go on a father and son vacation. We've never done it. We're both afraid of each other. <laughs> We're both too hard-headed to spend any time in a tent, hunting moose, fishing. We don't like killing things. We like eating them, but not killing. 
So we were going to go to Alaska, then we were going to go to Canada. And then we said, what the hell are we going to do in Alaska? But what are we going to do in Canada? Well, there's always the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I mean, I don't know. So he said, Dad, let me send the boat up to New York. I said, okay, that was last week. I said, okay, if you do, I'll invite my friends from Radio Cumulus, Publishers, Kate, Hachette, and a few other people. And here you are, and you came on the last minute. It's a hot night. I'm sure you'd rather be getting ready for your Labor Day weekend. I want to thank you all for coming to join us here. And may we all enjoy the success that we deserve. Thank you very much for being here. When you started the radio show, were you on for three hours during the day? Was it initially a three-hour show? Yes. I've basically started in radio. I don't want to date myself too much, but a couple of years after you started, I remembered, and I worked at a couple of different stations which carried you. So I've been following you for quite a while. And I hope not too closely. <laughs> well, it's that I'll, I'll be watching you song. Um and I, I, I failed to see on this list where I get hired onto the show as one of the major moments, but I digress. <laughs> I was wondering, just as a radio guy, what's one thing that you learned from your life previous to the show to maybe say that first year in radio? What, what, what's something that radio has taught you that you never would have expected? Well, as I said uh, in, in, in a, an interview last week, this has been my fifth career. Social worker, teacher, medicinal plant explorer, author, and then talk show host. Actually, there's another career, corporate consultant. All I can say is where have all the years gone? I only hope I have made the world a better place. And truthfully, being in radio all these years with the hatred that I see coming from the left, the, the envy from the left, the hatred for success... I only hope I've made the world a better place, Clint. That's all I can say. I don't have any other words. I don't know what's going to be tomorrow. The new Democrats are the old uh, Bolsheviks, and uh, we all know where that can go if it's it's like a cancer, if it's not contained and controlled. And I don't know that uh, Dr. Uh, Pelosi has the skills to stop the cancer of the occasional cortexes <laughs> and the, uh, the Muslim congresswomen who are filled with such hatred. It's frightening. Those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad-free podcast, we're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad-free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only $3.99 a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. I'm going to give you a link right now. And if you want to join, simply go to michaelsavage.com and click on the exclusive club link. It's that easy. You're going to get things you can't get anywhere else. And thanks for supporting the Michael Savage Podcast. (laughs) 